0: Welcome to the PKN podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome to the PKN Packaging News podcast. My name is Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Houston, managing editor and publisher of PKN Packaging News, and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. I believe we've got a lot to unpack on this. Episode. Well,
1: we certainly do, grant, because once again it is time for our regular monthly podcast that covers the top news stories shaping change in Australia's dynamic packaging industry. And today I'm joined by my colleague, food and drink business editor Kim Berry, which is very exciting because it's Kim's debut on our, our monthly packaging wrap. And <laughs> um, we're gonna take a- it it is. Is, Kimmy, welcome. Um, we're gonna take a closer look at the news that's
0: made headlines in the world of packaging. Uh, indeed, and what a, global, what a global take we're going to have this month, Lindy, and I'm very excited to be here. Uh, so it turns out you have been travelling around the countryside and overseas. It's been a full six years since uh, the, the last event, and Interpac, the world's biggest packaging and processing show, certainly came to town. So we want a full and thorough debrief. What was it like?
1: Tell me everything. Well, Kim, that could take (laughs) us hours, so I can't. I've got to condense it into a couple of minutes here, but it was an amazing experience. First of all, just to be back in Messer Dusseldorf, to be back walking those many, 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 many halls. There were 18 halls. There were 2,800 exhibitors. There were over 150,000 visitors by the time the show had um, come to its end. It was I would say, a triumphant return for the Interpac organizers. I spoke to the Interpac director, um, and he was over the moon. Thomas Doss, he told us that um, it was all that they expected and more. There was so much to see. There were so many new kind of little side shows as well. We just couldn't get around to it all. PKN was on the floor. We were reporting um, in video format. I was blogging online. um, And we certainly were getting a lot of reception back home, which was great because people were saying, thank you. It feels like I'm at the show. And that was really yeah. Yeah, it really did.
0: It did. It was like, and it just seemed so, um, the energy, you could just feel it through your videos that, there was just so many people there and they were just oh really excited that they were back.
1: excited and it was unanimous that there's no, there's no Going away from these trade shows, from that in person event where the machinery was just something to behold, to see everything in working. They had full scale machines working. Other people had uh, different experiences on their stands. And of course, in materials, you could touch and feel things. You could have conversations face to face. uh, And I think that makes a huge difference. So this year, the exhibitors were really focused on showing. Visitors, how to change the game when it comes to sustainability, to automation, and to digitization, and so much more. Sustainability and the circular economy were definitely, no surprises, Hakim, the hottest, hottest topic. <laughs> uh, silence was everywhere, Ooh. clever slogans, you know, come full circle with us, and that sort of thing. Uh, talking to the messages of circularity. <laughs> I saw sustainability misspelled so many times, natural, misspelled without its star. But this stuff happens when you're quickly putting your exhibit together. Um, and some ideas bet, way I off bet. kilter, like bye-bye plastic forever. Of course, we're not going to have a world without plastic. We know that. Anyone in packaging world knows that. And um, one interesting one, which I still can't work out exactly what it meant, using biodegradable plastics to fight against white pollution. Now, I'm not sure what white pollution is, as in white noise, but as in pollution coming from other countries, um, maybe that's, you know, pl- or is it plastic pollution, that's white pollution? I just couldn't get it. So um, I couldn't get any answers on that one at all. But anyway, more
0: of that no, or not. It's probably a, that's probably a good case for, you know, <laughs> just just running your slogan past everyone in the office first just to see, <laughs> like, people are like, eh. I think people might wonder what that is. Uh, so, as I like as I was saying, the videos that you were you were sort of sending back were so energising. But then the stands—they looked amazing. They looked like a whole building themselves. <laughs>
1: well That's I think the one one in particular looks like a one factory. in particular that I showed and I did a little video of which went off the scale with impressions, which was quite interesting to me as well, was that of Schutz. Now Schutz is a global company, has Australian a huge Australian operation as well. They specialize in intermediate intermediate bulk containers, IBCs as we know them. So also big drums and stuff for carrying food products, chemicals, agri-chem products, all um, in bulk. So they had a double story stand with pillars that were lit up with magnificent digital displays to speak to the themes which were centered on sustainability and on containing everything that matters. So at one point, we even had the Barrier Reef making an appearance in video, digital video on these these um, pillars. It was amazing. The messaging was all around the green layer, which is a 30% recycled content barrier layer, which uh, Schutz inserts um, as one of the layers inside these plastic bulk containers. That layer is made from recycled content that is recycled at Schutz's own plant as a result of their take-back program, which is called the Ticket Service, by which they get companies to give back their bulk containers so that they can be re-washed, reprocessed, recycled, reconditioned, or completely recycled. And they take other people's bulk containers as well, which is kind of cool. The other stand that was super impressive was TNAs. They had built it entirely. It was a completely new look for TNA. They built it out of material that can all be recycled. Um, But the best part was a booth that allowed you to have an extended reality. So XR, uh, virtual factory experience. Um, You could watch the whole potato chip making process from woe to go. Um, And it was really to demonstrate their expertise in how using extended reality allows them to test an entire line before any in- installation happens so they can, you know, kind of show you your factory as it's going to be and how it will operate exactly. They had lots of innovation on show, including a new auto-splice model for attaching to uh, the latest iteration of the row bag, ver- vertical form-fill seal machine. Um, but the good... Part of a lot of the equipment on show as well, including a 3D model of full, a full confectionery line, was that every part of those that machinery on that line was made in Australia. So it was a really great show. We saw I saw Nadia Taylor there. She made a cameo appearance as a sim in that as a good egg. <laughs> as, a, that woman. as a virtual <laughs> in that virtual factory tour. So that was really cool. And yes, she certainly
0: is a good egg. This is, that's all the machinery but then what about the materials that they're sort of making all this stuff with? A lot of the innovation
1: was not new to us because we we're at the coal face of receiving the news all the time. So that was one of the comments that I um, was hearing from my other journalist friends in my IPO fraternity, my packaging press fraternity, and also from some of the trend watchers there, like Paul Jenkins from the PAC Innovation Hub. So there's a lot of tweaking and improving of materials. But some of the interesting trends um, that were happening were uh, that there was a lot more material innovation around material that contains post-consumer recycled content. There was definitely many more mono materials on show for flexibles um, and also bio barrier formulations using PLA. For the food packaging industry, (laughs) I can say this, the pouch is going nowhere fast, despite the anti-plastic sentiment. (laughs) Um, The virtues of flexible packaging were being sung loud with a focus on their lightweight and recyclable properties. So their whole whole-of-life cycle analysis and that aspect, that they are still, despite the fact that um, soft plastics is in the hard-to-recycle category, they are still a better proposition than certain other uh, types of packaging in in certain applications. Of course, paper-based flexible options have proliferated. In fact, I mean, we've seen that um, with the whole trend coming here with the Mars confectionery wrapper that we've spoken about before. Paper-based put in a very strong strong showing. Paper-based everything, everywhere. People were careful about claims. I found that quite interesting. I did like one particular wrapper for letters. So imagine going to the supermarket, not having it wrapped in a flexible plastic film, but instead in in a flexible paper. Um, And it said almost without plastic. That was its claim because the layer that was used was very slight, but it's still classed as plastic. And then another interesting innovation for food packaging that involved both plastic and fiber-based, this one I saw on the grinder packaging stand. It was a – imagine a yogurt cup, and you know how with some of the yogurt cups you can just have a little paper zipper thing that you tear off and then the paper comes separate. Well, you don't need to have this anymore with this – thing that they've uh, innovated forgot the name of it now but it's a self-separating cardboard plastic cup so the cardboard is wrapped on it is not um, glued on in any way but when the when the thing is crushed at the MR at the MRF um, the plastic and the cardboard automatically separate and so with sophisticated sorting systems you can sort the two
0: out so yep that was kind of interesting there well, we've talked about, you've, you've sort of informed me before about labelling and, and packaging and how the issue when there are glues involved and, and how that can really change, you know, the recycling ability or timeline or, or process. So to, for them to have, you know, developed, for Griner to have developed a, a product that doesn't actually need the glue and can just separate like that at the Murph is, I mean, you know, from the cheap seats over here, <laughs> Um, you know, yeah, I understand, cool. I understand
1: from some of my people who do know, I had some industry ins- insiders there that I draw on, that it's not an entirely, entirely new idea, but it is, they have brought it to market. It has been commercialised in Austria for a yoghurt pack. So in that sense, it is, it is new. And um, yes, it is a step in the right direction because keeping our material streams clean is
0: certainly somewhere we need to aim for. So then what about uh, food service packaging? That's always, you know, a big sort of conversation in terms of, you know, keep food, keeping food safe, and um, and delivering it uh, well. So, what did you see in that? Well, sector? again,
1: here we see lots of um, alternatives to plastics, and there were heaps of food service displays showing um, sort of those food food trays made from sugarcane-based materials, made from uh, fiber-based materials as well. Um, we One of the interesting stands was the dry molded fiber specialist pull pack. That was their first time at Interpack. It's a relatively new company, um, very interesting development. It's not only a new way of making packaging, so forming it through dry, dry, dry molded fiber. Um, It's also a new way of doing business because Pool Pack is backed by some of the huge players in the industry, Amcor being one of them, Um, and they are helping fund the research and development and also the technology development behind this whole process. So they're making things like um, coffee cups and and the lids so that they are made from fiber, not from plastic anymore. And one of the interesting projects is called the Bottle Collective, and they had on show there some of their dry-molded fiber Paper bottles. I mean, effectively, a fiber-based bottle. Wow. So, um, of course, uh, sometimes tricky to see how they're going to scale this, but but I do feel confident mm-hmm. when uh, there's a collaborative process happening with big big players like Amcor, who really do pride themselves on identifying good ideas and taking the innovation to the next step.
0: Um, and then, mm. I think that's always so reassuring, isn't it? That when you do start to see those collaborations really starting to pay dividends? Definitely.
1: I mean, we saw that earlier, the conferences that we've been speaking to, everywhere that word collaboration comes up. We cannot do this in isolation. No packaging company is an island. We do need to collaborate with partners, with brand owners across the the full value chain. The other thing that I saw that was interesting for takeaway food containers um, and also for shipping foods uh, where previously expanded polystyrene had been used, and we know EPS is a big no-no. Um, I did see several examples of expanded polypropylene, which is a recyclable alternative. Um, there was a product from an Australian company, Bouncy. They were exhibiting. There weren't many Australian exhibitors. There were lots of exhibitors, or let me say Australians, that were on the stands of their partner, global partners' companies. But I think the number sure. of Australian companies that were exhibitors, TNA was one of them, were, were few and Bouncy was one of them. So Bouncy is part of a company called ICEE, IC, um, and they have developed a, which we've spoken about before, and they were at the previous Interpack. And what they had developed was a patented technology for a flat pack uh, shipping contain- box. Now the ICE containers were expanded polystyrene, um, but this bouncy one is expanded polypropylene. It's been developed for markets like HelloFresh, um, you know, those kind of meal delivery companies, ready, meal. ready meals, mm-hmm. uh, and also grocery delivery. So also for interesting for retailers. So it's expanded polypropylene. It is flat pack. It has chambers for hot and cold. It's really neat. I did a a little video as well, which I posted on LinkedIn, uh, just showing how the whole thing works uh, with Hamish Hingston, who's the CEO of the company. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I mean, there's always so much discussion around plastics and around paper. So what about metal? Like what's happening in metal?
1: I did go to the um, stand where all the steel manufacturers of packaging, so manufacturers of steel for packaging, were on display at a, at a grouping called Appeal. And um, what, was, what was really uh, gave, put a spring in my step was I saw this guy there. His name is Jose Mecca, uh, Spanish. He's the chairman of Spanish can maker Auxiliar Conservera. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Um, and last, Interpack in 2017, I sat down with him and we did this little video that went gangbusters, um, all about their can, which was a new system called OpenVac. Um, and it's a can that is sealed under high vacuum. So imagine uh, a can of olives. You would imagine that that would have to have brine. So because it's sealed under high vacuum, you don't need that. So that cuts the weight. And um, so this was what was the cool thing last Interpack in that space. So then I went to see, him, and lo and behold, there he was. And I said, "Well, what's new now?" So he said, "Well, we've been in a collaboration. While we're trying to sell cans, mostly we do we are open to other ideas. And so this company that was packaging retort cooked rice in a plastic tub, and wanted to move away from plastic, but still wants the product to be visible." Um, like the clear plastic was, ah. has now chosen to mm, go into mm. a glass tub, container, So, but with the metal open vac system on top as the lid, is the closure. So that was really good because um, that just shows that there's a combination of materials there. They can still have their retort cooked rice, but it's using that high vacuum seal system. So yep, he demonstrated that for me and that, that was the highlight of the metal packaging experience. It wasn't the only highlight, um, but it was one of them. It no, was one of them. Of course not.
0: It's just I, I'm just exhausted. It's just like, <laughs> I was I was exhausted when you were posting uh, videos like like, you know, what felt like hourly, which was wonderful because it did actually feel like we were there, but my goodness, how do you even – it feels, you know, that even scratching the surface yeah, is it was, incredibly it, enriching. It was – I
1: just you, you do learn so much, and you also learn so much from all the people that you bump into along the way. Uh, so that I really found it was great to see so many Aussies there. Um, I think all up there were probably uh, maybe – I heard from the MESA rep that there were probably 550 or maybe 600 registered. We had an Aussie uh, New Zealand reception event with – uh, APMA and with Interpack, and we had a fair number of people come along there, and that was really great to catch up with people there. Some people you just see fleetingly in the aisles, like uh, Daniel Malky from Jet Technologies. Hi and bye, and you know, sorry, but but we you know stop. Let's take a selfie, and that was that was really great. But it was very heartwarming. It
0: was a very very uplifting experience. Moving out of the uh, of all of the massive exhibition halls. There was also the World Star Awards
1: for over Ooh, there, yes. there, and that was really a, an, another highlight. It was, re- it was great, <laughs> and, and we
0: did Australia did really <laughs> no, well. We, didn't
1: we, we did; <laughs> it was so good to be there. Um, it was a huge night of celebration. Um, the Australian contingent. Not everyone who won awards made the trip, but many of them did. Our region won 19 general awards, so that's across the different categories. So, remembering that you have to win a Peter in your region well, a PETA in our region, that's what it's called in our region. So you have to win a national award in your region to qualify to apply for the World Stars. And so these are the winners, the 2023 winners, were last year's PETA winners. So we had 19 general awards across categories, but then there were also special awards, and those guys did know they had won awards. But then there were some special awards for the whole of World Stars that were only announced on the night, and that was really – yeah, oh, and I there like were that. finalists in that. We had some finalists there, but we had two winners that came up really strong. So, Caps and Closures and Biopack walked off with some awards there. Caps and Closures overall, well, he just Brendan Holmes, he just had a stash um, because he had four awards in the general <laughs> section, and then he won several and if you like another two in the in the special awards section.
0: You have to, he would have had to pay for it, uh, you know, uh, exactly. His, like, being exactly, on the way home. and
1: BioPack <laughs> also did really well, uh, so that was good to to see there. And then, you know, just some people were just so enthusiastic when Michael Dosser from Result Group got, got up on stage. <laughs> you could see that was just like woohoo making oh. his night. So, um, <laughs> oh, that is, yes, speaking that's very of Michael cool. Dosser, just to he had his Peter from this year, uh, which he'd won in the sustainable labeling category or the sustainable. I forget exactly, recy- recyclable category, forgive me. I might not have it exactly right. But it was won by R- Result Group and Herma Inno So he had the opportunity to take that Peter award and to present it to Martin Kuhl from Herma. And I had the opportunity to film that all on video. So that was really great. So we had oh. a good conversation. And I must say that uh, what did, it did bring home to me, Kim, the... the wonderful immediacy of video reporting. I don't know if, if – um, I mean, you, you probably had video fatigue by the end of it all, and I don't blame you. But um, <laughs> no, no. Um, it certainly does, and I, I know that we, we, when we look at how you report on video and, and upcoming shows as well, it is a very valuable tool for capturing the moment.
0: Yes, yes. And I think, yes, it just does that um, – it really does engage in, in a way that – that print doesn't, um, but particularly when you're at an event like that where you have that whole hubbub going on around you. Uh, n- now, before we move on to other things, uh, I just wanted to do a quick mention that there was another wonderful thing that happened while you were over in Düsseldorf, and that was that you were elected as president of the of IPO. and I just wanted <laughs> to say that we were very <laughs> proud of you, <laughs> and we were all at home. We were all back here going, ah! Oh, thank you, Kim. That <laughs> so I know you're all embarrassed and you don't wanna you know I know that you don't wanna make it, you know, big but we it's testament to your knowledge and your connections in the industry and I think it's tremendous. Well,
1: thank you very much. I do hope I do the organisation credit. Um, I'm certainly going to do my, <laughs> my level best. Um, I'm really pleased that you and um, your colleagues are also part of, of the organisation. Um, and, yeah, we are Indeed. A, a really nice group of international journalists that have share a passion for packaging, and um, we do our very best to report on it as accurately and objectively as we possibly can. So, yeah, I'm really honoured to um, take on that role for the next three years. So, meanwhile, Kimi, we look yeah, at what's going on? back at the oh, ranch? Yes. You, you back you at the go. ranch, we've had a few things going on here. Yes. You've been ho- holding the fort for me a little bit. So, some of the stories you had a hand in writing. So, can you talk to me a little bit about the uh, st- the stoush that's happening with freeze dried coffee brand Mac- Macana?
0: Yes. So, as probably nearly all of us know, there the, the Macana uh, jar. Is very recognisable as the Makona jar. Um, people, then a lot of us, then have those jars there in our cupboards as storage vehicles. Meanwhile, the Australian coffee outfit Victoria, that has always been, well, not always, but has been had a presence in hospitality and supplying hotels and airlines and and occupying that sector, has recently launched. So about a year ago, launched their first freeze dried product. And they just were doing that in a smaller size, in uh, the 100, like 100 gram size container. And then this year, they launched a fair 400 gram container, which is a glass jar. <laughs> and it turns out that Makona is quite cranky about that. <laughs> And so they, they've basically, uh, said that, you know, they've, they've sold coffee in this glass, in this jar since 1960. And, you know, it is basically, uh, within, within the, um, company, it's regarded as one of the crown jewels and that, uh, this jar by Victoria is deceptively similar. And, and so, they're saying that that Victoria is engaging in misleading and deceptive um, conduct. Interestingly, you know, Macona's did a uh, sorry, Victoria did a cross claim, just saying, well, it's a jar; you can't trademark it. Like it's a jar, so uh, you know, their trademark for that is invalid and should be removed. I think one of the one of the lovely little digs from the from B- the camp Victoria's camp was at the end was a. Uh, we're known for you know, Australians know Victoria coffee and its quality. I don't think there's any chance they would ever, you know, con- confuse it us <laughs> with Makona.
1: Yeah. Well, look, it's going to be interesting. It was like,
0: oh, this is going to be interesting. It's, go- you know, but, it goes back to it goes back to
1: that original. You know, the the famous does Cadbury own the colour purple? Uh, you know, does yeah, Makana own yeah. a type of jar, uh, a jar shape? But uh, when it comes to shape, it can be distinctive, though. Yeah.
0: Yes, it can. and look when you do actually look at them, the jars side by side, but, you know from my you know point of view, then they're, they're completely different. One is just a straight canister and the other one is Makona's jar. But interestingly, just an, a quick story regarding another trademark is that the New Zealand uh, IPO has just rejected uh, a request by the uh, honey producers in New Zealand to put a trademark on Manuka honey. So, and, and the, the group tried to get that trademark in the UK, the US, China, New Zealand, and one other country, I can't remember. Um, and yeah, and they would basically have failed across the board. I mean, it's, it, you know, Manuka honey comes from a particular um, genus of a tree, of a shrub, and Australia has something like 35 of the 37 variants. So it was always going to be pretty tenuous as to how you could say that's not Manuka honey. That's only just happened to Yeah, sex. well, it is because it, like
1: it's going to come down to how it's labeled. It's packaging, you know, it, it does pertain to that. So that is a very interesting mm. story. Uh, Nestle Australia this week has launched a new refillable packaging system for its toddler milk formula. The the brand involved is Nan Supreme Pro. I'm a long way from having t- uh, milk formula in my house, but it explores ways <laughs> to reduce packaging and test new packaging system. That's why they're doing it, because they're exploring all these things. Um, I spoke to Karunia Adiputra, and um, he's the guy who heads up this, section, this division of Nestle, and he said that the unique refill system um, comprises a reusable stainless steel can, lightweight pouches that go inside the tin a specially designed lid to keep the pouches snugly in the can and a scoop that is now made from 95% renewable plant-based plastic. It all sounds good, doesn't it? So parents, Kim, can reorder the refill pouches as required online or they sign up to a subscription service. So hopefully, um, if this does take off, the refill system will result in 40% less primary packaging weight um, over a year, when you compare it to a counterpart tin, tin in the range, so they're testing this trial. Yeah, this, sure. it looks like it's come to market. Um, so it does look like an interesting system. There has been um, less development than I would have thought, perhaps, on the whole refill process. So it is. It, it's good to see something more come to market.
0: I, I think it's. Pro- I think it's because once you're in the realm of infant formula and toddler, for- the the purity and in terms of the how clean it is and that it hasn't been that it's clearly not tampered with and that it's um its production method has been all in you know done in an incredibly pristine environment probably has slowed down this move to looking for refillable pouches that you can then pop back into your tin uh but uh, you, you know i i sort of think it's a really exciting development and that hopefully it Yeah, will, I mean, it is it an interesting one be too because,
1: um, you know, before you just had the can. So now you're having a can yeah. that you are refilling and you're introducing a plastic element. So this goes to the argument that the plastic pouch still has a very strong life and has its plastic application pouch. here. Mm. So anyway, I did want to also move on to another piece of interesting news, um, just an appointment, which I feel is worthy of mention, because Tetra Pak has got a new, um, the Oceania business has got a new MD, because former MD, Andrew Pooch, who's been with a company for 35 years, and I did just want to acknowledge that Andrew has done a remarkable job and has been a wonderful friend yeah. of Packaging News, certainly, um, over the time that he's been in the role here in Australia. So he has been replaced by Boris Munster. Um, and we're looking forward to – I have met Boris. I met him on the occasion of the opening of that beverage recycling facility that's in partnership with Save Board, which was very exciting. And I had both Andrew and Boris there where I kind of heard the news ahead of the news. Uh, don't you love that, Kim? <laughs> it's kind of good. Yeah, I know. I do. I do like I having, that's a, that's having the exclusive. Favorite, that's my favourite time. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so um, well done to Andrew for his tenure and good luck to Boris for his as he comes in. Absolutely. And... Uh, I see that there's more craft gin. <laughs> oh, yes. Do we need another <laughs> bloody June, as they say? <laughs> but yes, we do, apparently. Look, we certainly you know, do. This one, of course, of course, <laughs> this one has been designed for Margot Robbie and Friends, no less, so you know so nothing like throwing a famous name behind it, an alcohol brand, okay, um, apparently um, conceived in in l a or somewhere like that, um, but also wanting to bring in the the whole Aussie. Lifestyle, food and drinks world in this conception, yeah. But cleverly, cleverly, they went to one of the what I who I consider one of the top beverage packaging design companies, and that is Squad Inc. So here we have um, a. The duo, Terry um, and Matthew Squadrito, they are twin brothers, creative directors in this company. They are the people behind those beautiful packaging that we saw for Archie Rose when they first launched and so on. So, um, And they always take great care at selecting a bottle and really trying to get the brand story through. Now, this gin is uh, made, it's distilled. Let me get the right food term here, Kim. Right, beverage term. Yes. It's distilled in Byron Bay at the Lord Byron Distillery. So it oh. is actually made on home I'm soil. I'm sorry, just a moment it of cynicism. Made on home
0: soil. <laughs> of course it is. Where else yes. could it be made? Um,
1: and they've fashioned a bottle or they've selected a bottle. The bottle's been made by Savour Glass, and they've selected a bottle that looks kind of like a hip flask but it's bigger than that it's a 750 ml it's got that sea glass look to it so as if it's been washed up on the shores of Byron Bay wonderful wonderful Um, Mm. but it is it is pretty good looking this bottle and the label it's got a very small label um, and the bottle is opaque, so that smoky glass look. So you don't see the label right. show through. Yeah. The small label has been printed by Imprestic. The glass bottle, as I said, was supplied by Saber Glass. And the custom stopper has been made by Supercap. So all up, I haven't tasted it yet because I went online to try and order one. But alas, it is sold out. Surprise, surprise. Oh, <laughs>
0: hell surprise. <laughs>
1: Anyway, hopefully by next podcast we'll have some. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. We do need to bring this almost to a wrap. But there's one, there's another exciting, um, well, exciting. Everything's exciting in packaging, isn't it? Um, Can that's come to market from Lion, no less. They are bringing out their limited editions and special editions left, right, and center. And this one is for the 4X beer brand. And it is called Lure. Tell us about it, Kim. You know a bit more as well.
0: <laughs> so this is actually, this is the second special edition can that, that Lion has come out with, with, with um, Forex. And the first one was for Queenslanders and you could collect them and they have a number on them and you could make your own postcode. Um, this is all part of their campaign around, the, uh, around state of origin. Went off like gangbusters. The story that we ran on our site has pretty much topped out anything else (laughs) ever. Uh, But the interesting one about this is that it's a lure. So in the can, like part of the can, you can cut out and it becomes a fishing lure. And the premise is that it will then be used by forex drinkers who probably like a forex when they're fishing and. You know, to, probably to your eye as a consumer, we just go, oh, well, like, whatever, it's not our market. But it is such an interesting way of using your packaging to really talk to your consumers and to really make them feel like they're special.
1: The interesting thing about this, of course, Kim, is that it's not just for, uh, it's, it's specifically it's packaging with a purpose as well, because that allure yeah. is designed to catch carp which are invasive species in a certain part of um, the Sunshine State's waters. Um, And so they are trying to, for fishing enthusiasts to, to get on board with this, to try and rid those waters of the carp. That's kind of the idea. Now, of course, one of the things that I thought about when I saw this is that you've actually got to cut this lure out of the can so, concerns for me would be, and obviously Lion has thought this through, um, is how do you do this yeah. safely? Because many the time I've cut myself on something uh, packaging related. Yes. So, apparently you scan the can and you get instructions for how to do this safely and also how to um, right. create the lure in order to catch the carp. So, it jury's out on how successful this will be, but gosh, it's an, an, it's an interesting and engaging piece of packaging, certainly.
0: It's talking to so many of the of the trends that are going on at the moment in terms of what consumers are looking for, and uh, and you know what they're now expecting from companies. And it's um as you said, it'll be interesting just you know to see how it how it yeah.
1: Translates. So um, hopefully at some point, uh, Lion will be able to give us some information on how these limited edition cans. Um, are going because that's the mm. second one in a row, as you said. Yeah. And I think it was mentioned in the Euromonitor reports, the markets uh, trends report recently, um, about how successful mm. that first one had been. Now, um, you yeah. have to go and catch a plane because you're off to the Global <laughs> Food Forum tomorrow, which is very exciting. And I'm I looking know. forward to hearing I'm about very that. Excited. But I did also want to end with a reminder, of course, yes. that we will all be down, you and me together and our the rest of our team. Mm-hmm. Yep, we'll pro. be down at Food Pro in July, and that's coming up I 23rd know. to 26th of July. Looking forward to that. So a reminder to anybody who is listening to mark that in their diaries and to get on down there. We'll have the podcast there, the food and drink business podcast this time. We will come and yes, do come hello. and say hello, and we'll be doing the rounds PKN and Food and Drink Business. So Kim I'm going to let you pack your suitcase. Um, I'm hoping, actually, I hope it is packed. (laughs) But you've got to pack up this unpacked session. (laughs) And, um, yeah, that's it from us. That's me, Lindy Hewson, and you. And that is me, Kim Berry. That's it. We're signing off. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next
0: month. And this is me, Grant McCarran, saying thank you, Kim, thanks, (laughs) Lindy, and, of course, thanks to our audience for joining us today. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can uh, follow us in your favourite podcatcher to ensure you get every episode as they're released. Meanwhile, we'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative discussion, but until then, have a great day. The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.